0: The absolute best advice. I would encourage that the best advice I could offer is to start. Don't wait. Don't ask. There's nothing about tomorrow that's going to make anything different. You'll learn a little bit more. You'll know a little bit more. It might be easier. But why are you waiting? Maybe the first thing that you create, the first thing you try, the first time you date somebody ever, it probably doesn't work out very well. And that first book you write may not be the best book in the world. But you just had a, an and immeasurable amount of experience you had the opportunity to 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 immerse yourself in what you're passionate about in a way that if you wait is lost it's gone
1: Welcome to Professional Profiles, a podcast where I interview industry experts to understand their jobs, learn about their journeys to success, and then cover the strategies they've used to find it. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time.
0: Good to see you, buddy. Jump right in, yeah.
1: Yeah, jump right in. Could you briefly just describe what you do? As best I can, it's probably one
0: of the most difficult things in the world to briefly describe. What I do is called venture development. If you're here in Austin watching the show, for example, uh, you might ask the question, how did the Austin startup ecosystem emerge? How does that get built? That's called venture development. Uh, I kind of sit between venture capitalists and startups and entrepreneurs, but that I also sit in the middle of companies and economic development offices in the city and the government. And uh, we help steer how to create an ecosystem so that it serves the entrepreneurs best and so that it enables the capital class to make investments in startups that are more likely to be successful. If you think of how Silicon Valley or Austin is pretty distinct from, I don't know, Des Moines, Iowa, uh, that's the kind of work we do. We help make sure that your city, your place is pretty distinct so that it's meaningful for the people that are trying to take risks and start their own companies.
1: What's special about Austin and what do you see in Austin's future in tech?
0: Great, great question because it, it actually doesn't have anything to do with the word tech. It actually has to do more so with what Austin is traditionally or characteristically. And that's that's a highly creative, diverse culture and, and ecosystem that most of the world fails to, to prop- properly or, or meaningfully embrace music and film and even video games. Austin is, a, Austin is a city that does embrace all of those things. You see it in, in the music festivals that we have all the time. And, and the reason that's so important is the, a correlation between the, the arts and creativity and technology. And, and that's why it's actually not about technology. You can, you can invest as much as you possibly can in, in developing software engineers and coders and, and tech people. But if those people aren't encouraged to take risks... If they aren't inspired to be creative, then all you have is coders, uh, and there are coders all over the world. What makes Austin unique is that we have this culture that embraces not even the arts, but it embraces sports. Right? It's a big football community. It's a big sports community where we're competitive with one another. All of those qualities of a, of a community uh, encourage people to take risks for themselves. They encourage people to compete. They encourage us to do things better. Austin's one of the best places in the world in that regard, and that's, that's what caused our tech ecosystem to emerge and to flourish and to boom.
1: So you mentioned Austin as a creative hub. How do you see Austin being impacted by the future of artificial intelligence?
0: Uh, it, it won't as much
1: as people
0: think. Okay. Uh, artificial intelligence, honestly, is just the next, next tool. It's the next technology that's come along to drastically change things, and it will drastically change things. Uh, without question, it it will absolutely eliminate a lot of jobs. There are a lot of people who do uh, creative content development. Uh, there are a lot of engineering jobs that are pretty basic, some simple kind of coding kind of things. All of that's going to get replaced by by a machine. Call call it AI or, or a bot. It, it doesn't really matter what you call it. Don't 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 try to think of AI as some
1: mystical magical thing that's that's unattainable
0: for us to understand.
1: It's it's going to replace that stuff do you think that the creativity side of things, Austin being a creative hub, AI kind of th- there's a certain element of human creativity that will always, or at least in the foreseeable future, always be elevated above artificial intelligence. But art, like Austin is a creative hub. Do you see AI uh, just, I guess places in general, I mean, artificial intelligence it definitely raises the bar on what it, takes to be creative do you see how creativity being a skill that is especially useful in the future
0: uh not only especially useful it is the only skill that makes us relevant and meaningful relative to machines robots ai etc uh that that that's that's why austin has such potential and that's why in your schools or in schools in general, uh, the, the professional class today is desperately, desperately, desperately pushing education to focus on the arts, teach music, teach art, t- teach creativity, keep supporting the sports. I don't care at all whether or not we teach our kids math and how to code JavaScript because a bot is going to do that. A machine is going to do that. Certainly, we need the technical skills taught. But if we don't continue to encourage and support and inspire people to be creative, you are no more valuable, you are no more relevant than that AI. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is a desperation for the future of humanity and for the future of the economy that we support the creative side of things.
1: So I want to shift more to your work in entrepreneurship because you work with a bunch of entrepreneurs and help them market their companies, right? Fair
0: way to put it, but we can elaborate. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Could you elaborate on that?
0: No, sure. So, so we don't help market them. So the most important part of what every startup does and, and what every entrepreneur starts out to do is, is marketing. And marketing doesn't mean promote the thing. Marketing means understand and study the market so you can figure out how to be successful and what to do. Um, most startups fail because they don't do marketing properly, they don't do it well, or they don't prioritize it. Uh, what we do is what I just did. We teach people that. We, we teach people, we teach founders the first things first. We teach founders what to prioritize and how to do that, whether it's marketing or it's how to decide on what kind of software uh, infrastructure to use, or it's uh, how to build a, a, a team capable uh, of sustaining all of the difficulties and challenges of being an entrepreneur. We run people through a 12-week incubator, a program that teaches them and works alongside them doesn't work for them, but works alongside them to, to make it more likely that their startup is going to work. And I say more likely on purpose, roughly 90% of all startups fail. Uh, if you want to be a startup founder, everybody, good luck. Uh, the odds are better that you go gamble in Las Vegas uh, because it, it, we know with certainty that you are very, very, very likely to fail to such an extent that we just tell people you're going to fail. It's not going to work. We're in the business of reducing that rate. And so rather than, rather than promising or committing that we're going to make it successful, you successful, because you can't do that. We can't do that. What we do know is that when an entrepreneur comes through a startup program, like what we run in an incubator, it's more like a 40% chance that you're going to fail, which is an exceptional improvement on the norm, on the average. So we improve the odds. We, we improve the likelihood that you're going to be successful. And it's an education kind of program because it's like an alternative to an MBA, or it's an alternative even to going to college. Uh, it's much more condensed. We can teach pretty quickly. And, and two, the odds are such that if you're a young person starting a company, you're more likely to fail. However, if you come through an incubator and you're still likely to fail, we've now given you the tools to be much more successful in the future. Maybe with a second startup or a third startup or, or getting involved in the startup ecosystem in some other way. So we bring these incubators to bear. We, we develop the curriculum. And we provide it to cities or companies. Uh, We provide it directly to people that want to just take the programs with us. We even provide it to universities and on occasion high schools uh, where they want to provide to the students or or the participants or the employees in that company the same kind of curriculum and the same kind of program. So we can reach a lot more people and teach a lot more people than those who are just directly interested in working with us to start a company.
1: So what have you seen that separates the people that fail and the people that succeed in the industry?
0: Great question. Uh, A fixation on problems is required. You have to be fixated on the problem. Almost entirely, we see startup founders fail because they want to focus on a solution. I want to build this thing I want to build. I think this is the solution. I guarantee you, you are wrong. I guarantee it. There is no certainty in the world other than the fact that if you think your solution is right, you are wrong. (laughs) What we look for is a fixation on the problem. I am desperately passionate about the fact that AI, since we talked about it, AI is going to eliminate a lot of creator jobs. Okay, great. What are you going to do about it? I don't know, (laughs) but I'm going to do something about it because I'm passionate that that is a problem. I'm going to fix that problem. That's number one. Number two, I used it in some of my, my language just now. You have to be passionate too many startup founders want to start a business. They want to make money. That is not the right setting on which to try a startup because you're likely to fail and it's going to cost you money before you make money. It's going to take a year or two before you make any substantial amount of money, if, if at all. And so if you're not passionate about merely the fact that you're starting something that hopefully will solve the problem, you're just not going to make it, period. Um, and then a third thing. And the third thing is a tremendous depth of knowledge or experience. Knowledge or experience. Because you can get both, you can get either in a certain sector, in a certain in a certain thing that's distinct. And that thing is is not tech. It's a tech is a horizontal. It's not it's not that I have a lot of experience in business or I have a lot of I have a lot of knowledge about finance. No, no, those are those are horizontals. Maybe you have a tremendous amount of experience or knowledge about you know the the pet care business, pet care sector. Great. Now you can likely accomplish something meaningful and successful in that context. That's what we look for It's those three things.
1: How would one locate a niche that needs help and has a problem?
0: Uh, that's kind of the catch. That's a, that's a catch-22 sort of question. You can't seek it because it's a question of who you are. And, and uh, to be frank, what we find as well is the startup founders who fail are startup founders who went looking for a problem and decided that they wanted to solve that problem. Well, in having to look for it, clearly you don't have the knowledge or experience and you don't have the passion for it because you're looking for something to, to take on. That's a fine way to try. That's a fine way to maybe learn how a startup works is you, you give it a shot, but it's not going to work out. I, it, I can guarantee it's not going to work out. What What happens is we find founders who are successful are often already doing it, whether they realize it or not. Maybe you maybe you have a blog and you write about to to stick with that sector I shared. Maybe you have a blog and you write about the pet care business. Okay, then obviously you care about it. You're doing something about it. May, maybe you start a podcast, uh, interviewing executives and founders and CEOs about something. Great, that's a start, and and it's a start that's relatively simple, much more simple than building an entire company, and it gives us. All some insight to the fact that clearly this person has a passion and an interest in something in particular. You know, why is Charlie running this podcast? Well, to help young people, as you share, to help young people get better exposure and better insight to what we do at my age. Awesome. That means there's a problem there, which is that younger people don't have that exposure and don't have that access to us. You're, you're addressing that in some meaningful way. Maybe there's a more meaningful way that you can address it as a problem and actually build a company around it. That's what we're looking for. That you've already found something that you're passionate and interested in solving.
1: So you would recommend that people? I mean, they don't jump in to like, I want to be an entrepreneur. You say, okay, gain some insight on a certain field or a certain profession, and then from there, you, you can't really like force it, right?
0: Yeah, you can't really force it. It's the passion can't be taught, uh, right? the 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 word entrepreneur. Is actually mischaracterized a lot. Entrepreneur is not being business owner. If you're a business owner, you're a business owner, and most business owners are not entrepreneurial at all. Uh, entrepreneur is is more more appropriately associated with the idea of of someone adventurous, uh, someone uh, like an explorer that that they're just they're fixated with constantly trying new things and experimenting new with new ways, and, and whenever they see something wrong, an entrepreneurial person does something about it. They don't need permission. They don't even ask for permission. (laughs) They don't, they don't care if other people are, are disappointed that they failed in trying because their personality is such that they have to do something that, that manifests as passion for something. And so, no, you can't, you can't really raise your hand and say, I want to be an entrepreneur because we can teach you how to start a company. We can teach you uh, what it means to be an entrepreneur. We can teach you the history of entrepreneurship. But I can't make you one. Uh, you either are or you're not. Um, and so even in the, in the studies and in, 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 in the college courses for entrepreneurship, as, as a, for instance, there is nothing about those programs that's going to ensure that you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. Nothing at all. All we're doing is we're teaching the techniques and the tools and the methodologies. And if you have innate in you, if you have that nature, you're more likely to be successful. But if you don't have that in your own nature, you're not. And that's okay. Uh, you know, you could be a mentor, you could start a business, you could do something else that's that's benefits from having those skills that are rather unique to people who are
1: entrepreneurial. What skills would you say are prevalent in the successful entrepreneurs that you find?
0: Uh the first and foremost is that that idea of being fixated on solving problems. Uh I I'll give you two examples. I started my career at an in an inside sales job a long time ago. Inside sales, right? So on the phone talking to people, trying to sell computer stuff. Uh, That was my first job. And I was not terribly effective on the phone. And I hate sales, frankly. I hate talking to people and trying to close business. But I had built a website. Uh, This is back in the 90s, but I had built a website. And so uh, within the organization, within the company that I was working, I decided to build a website so that I could just send people to that website to try to buy something from me. I didn't get permission. I didn't care when the company didn't want me doing that. I didn't care if I was going to lose my job because I didn't like being on the phone calling people trying to get them to buy stuff. I sought and discovered a problem that was relevant to me, and I did something about it. Um, Whether or not it worked is also irrelevant. Whether or not it worked is also irrelevant because odds are it's not going to work. Odds are startups don't work. The the entrepreneur just does something. I, I, I wake up tomorrow and I just do it. I don't need to hire somebody. I don't even often need to ask for advice or direction. I use Google. I use chat I figure out how to fix whatever is a problem and I do it. That, that is the, the foremost characteristic of an entrepreneur. And you can see it in every, you can see it in every way of life. You, you, you all, you probably know a teacher who is more like that. A teacher can be entrepreneurial, just like many teachers are not entrepreneurial. And, and your doctor, a doctor can be entrepreneurial. Are they constantly trying to figure out new ways to, to improve the quality of the business, they, the, the care that they provide? Or are they just taking appointments and seeing patients, right? That's how you distinguish a person who's entrepreneurial. And they are often disruptive. Mm-hmm. They are often kind of a pain in the butt as an employee because they're off doing their own things. And, and they don't really care whether or not people agree or approve those things. That's why what happens is entrepreneurial people aren't necessarily startup founders. And startup founders aren't necessarily even entrepreneurial. But entrepreneurial people are more likely to be startup founders. Because if I'm constantly trying to fix things and I'm constantly trying to solve problems, I might as well start something. I might as well start my own business, right? Rather than doing it for other people and just being an employee. But there really isn't actually a direct correlation. Most business owners own one business, they run that one business they run that business very 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 well but that wouldn't be characterized as an entrepreneur that's a business owner
1: from your experience what's the best way to handle risk and uncertainty
0: <laughs> i am the i'm the least qualified person to answer that because of the work i do um, or or perhaps i'm the most qualified person to ask and and it's that that at the end of the day you can't and and so what you do is you mitigate them you mitigate risks by In in my case, doing the work I do, we work with cities and companies and investors and entrepreneurs to figure out how we could build a better ecosystem, eliminating the risks, right? How how can we do that? Well, we could, for example, we could um, develop together more co-working spaces and, and places and properties where everybody can get together without spending as much money, and we're more likely to collaborate and connect and discover new opportunities. Hmm. That would mitigate the risk of being a startup founder. See, that's a good example from my world. Can I eliminate the risks? No, we can never eliminate the risks. Can it, so, so as you, uh, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a would-be founder, can you think that way, can you do that? Well, if I want to start something, how can I eliminate the risks? Well, I don't have any software development experience. Oh, okay then go talk to those people. <laughs> go go meet those people. Uh, don't, don't just hire somebody to do it because if you just hire somebody to do it, you're putting all of your faith and all of your trust in that other person rather than experiencing that community and learning a little bit about that community and getting a lot of advice so that you can make a better decision about what to do with technology, having mitigated the risk of not knowing it very well yourself. You don't have to be the CTO or the software developer or the engineer, but... But you eliminate the risk by better understanding how it works and by surrounding yourself with people that can advise you and counsel you so that you are better prepared to make a decision based on the information you have.
1: So on that same note, what role does networking play in one's success in business?
0: It is arguably the most important thing you do. And and as I talk to to high schools, as I give a talk to high school, uh, as as I'm sitting here talking with Charlie, uh, as you all are listening, if if there's one bit of advice I'm going to leave you, it's get on LinkedIn right now, fill up your profile a lot, and start connecting with everyone you can. Period. And and what I mean by that is I'll I'll give you an example of the reservation that I get or the, the hesitation I get. I'll give you that example of reservation or hesitation as a way to explain why this is so important. Most people will say to me, ah, I can't reach out and connect with Paul on LinkedIn. I haven't met him yet. I don't know him yet. Uh, I don't work for Paul yet, so I shouldn't connect with him. B.S. Social networks exist to enable us all to connect. And what social networks do is they monetize the fact that we're not connected. They take advantage of the fact that we're not connected. How? They make you subscribe or they make you pay more so that you can meet more people or connect with more people. Why are they doing that? They're doing that because they're taking advantage of people that don't just connect with absolutely everybody so that you then will pay so that you feel like you have more access to people. Well, we, we all have the opportunity to eliminate that barrier to entry. We eliminate that opportunity for us to have a conversation or eliminate that opportunity for us to share information. And that's by connecting with absolutely everyone. Connect with your teachers, connect with your, your, your friends from school. Connect with everybody at the place you want to work. Connect with me. I'm telling you right now, connect with you. I'm going to connect with you. Um, and and build up your network, build up your profile there. The other reservation I get is: well, I'm I'm young and we don't really use LinkedIn. Okay, but everyone 30 plus, everyone 25 plus gets a job today because of their LinkedIn network and their LinkedIn profile. So If you're waiting until you're old enough for that to feel relevant, or you feel like TikTok or something else is going to be more relevant or more meaningful in the future, you're absolutely wrong when it comes to your career, to your career. I haven't looked at a resume in 15 years. You cannot send me a resume. I don't want to see your resume. I don't believe your resume. I'm not going to waste my time looking at your resume. I'm going to look you up on LinkedIn and decide for myself whether or not you're a valuable addition to my work. And if it looks like it, we just get going. That's how we connect. That's how we start jobs today.
1: What's your perspective on failure?
0: Uh you 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 will fail. Everyone, you will fail. Now what? Uh if you are afraid of it, you're essentially doing nothing. <laughs> so, so good job. Not not only are you not learning, but you aren't trying. You you don't have the opportunity or the potential for something to be successful because you you are just sitting there on the couch. Uh, you will absolutely fail. the pers- The perspective I want you to have, or or the answer to give you, Charlie. Perspective I want you to have about failure, about failure, is in appreciating that it will happen. What's most important, you recognize it very quickly. You don't waste your time on things that aren't working, and you do what we what we refer to in the startup ecosystem is is pivot. You pivot. My effort here is not working this solution to the problem that i'm trying to build a startup around is not working uh this this opportunity that i'm trying to take advantage of clearly is not working then stop right now don't even second guess it try something else and that's why that earlier advice of you don't even need a ton of advice from people you don't even need guidance from people because no one has the right answers you need to just stop and try something else we pivot a lot. We call it iteration in the startup ecosystem that startups are successful because they iterate very, very, very quickly. They iterate very quickly in a way that they don't waste money. They don't waste time. Right. As soon as you can validate and test whether or not what you're thinking will work or not, the better. Because odds are it won't work. And you need to figure that out fast. So you stop wasting time on it. And you need to move on to something else until you find the things that do work. The failure side's inevitable. The success side is not. So avoid the failure happening by moving on from it as opposed to not doing anything because you're afraid of it.
1: So for those that are weary of taking a risk or, or putting it on the line, what would you say to those people about taking action?
0: You know, think of it in the context of not entrepreneurship or startups, but think of it in the context of uh, maybe those amongst you, your friends, your peers who when I go into a profession, what we want out of great professionals is that understanding that things don't always work, that appreciation that things don't always work, and that willingness to explore those new opportunities, those new things, those different things that might be outside the norm. But who knows? They they may make a difference, right? Um, that's the best thing you can possibly do: is just constantly be open minded and recognize that no one is right; failure is inevitable, <laughs> and. The only way we actually find success
1: is to keep trying different things until something works. So how do people keep learning and keep growing and keep doors open for as long as possible?
0: I could almost reverse the question. What what leads you to believe that the doors would close? What leads you to think that the opportunities aren't always there? Uh, because they are. Um, in my world, uh, not, not to sound like a pessimist, so, so take this in a more realistic way. In my world, we know with certainty, there's, there's a ton of research about it, that startups are most likely founded by 44-year-olds. Um, they just are. And there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, that that For a host of reasons. We, we also know why it's studied so well. Your network's bigger. You have some wealth. You have experience. All the things we been talking about. Can I make you 44 tomorrow? Nope. Nothing we can do about it except take the time. <laughs> so... So when we know that, right, as as a younger person, or frankly, even as an older person, right, does that mean a 65-year-old or a 70-year-old can't be an entrepreneur and can't start a startup? No, it absolutely does not mean that. But there are characteristics of getting older that, that make it a little bit more difficult. Maybe those characteristics are that you can't work 20 hours a day or you don't want to work 20 hours. Well, that's fine, but somebody in their 40s can, it does. And so, you know, so it's just this, 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 center point in in the economy and in 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 our lives where that's the point at which you're most likely to be successful. And so the opportunity is always there. The door is always, always open. Unless, and this is why I, I encourage you to think about reversing the question. The only way the opportunity is not there, the only way the door is closed is if you closed it. If you if you you know it maybe if you piss somebody off or or you, or you had a job and and you just you didn't you didn't take care of it. You didn't you didn't do your best in that job. Well, great. The door is closed, but who closed the door? You did, not not somebody else, right? There are always 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 more opportunities, including including like we characterized at the beginning of our conversation with this fear or this threat of AI. Is AI going to mean the end of all of this opportunity and all of these jobs? No. In fact, it's going to create new and different opportunities. It's going to completely start a revolution like the revolution we saw in the 90s as the internet dawned. It's going to completely change the world. It's going to completely change society. It's going to completely change culture. Will it end a lot of things that we do now and end the way we do things now? Absolutely. Does that mean doors are closed? Nope. Because there's another one right there that is a different opportunity to take advantage of. And that's never going to change,
1: ever. How do you think kids that want to stay ahead of the curve, how do you think that they can prepare themselves for the future of the job market?
0: Well, curve is a good way to put it. Um, curve is a good way to put it though, because a, a, a challenge in humanity is that the pace of change has been accelerating for thousands of years. And I think in a thousand years ago or 2000 years ago, 2000 years ago, everyone knew everybody because you lived in a small community. Uh, There was no privacy. Uh, You only had eight or 10 jobs that that mattered. Uh, That job and who you married was likely predetermined. That's the way things worked. And and more interestingly, your parents did the same thing and had the same lifestyle. Your grandparents did the same things and had the same lifestyle. And your kids had the same things and the same lifestyle. That's the way it was. Well, today, I have no idea what you were going to do in 20 years. I don't have a clue. I can't even predict it. Um, there's no way you all can keep up with everything. It's not possible because the pace of innovation has accelerated to breakneck speed. Where the only thing that I could advise is is what we shared when we were talking about what might make you more successful as a startup entrepreneur, and that's to, to focus on a specific sector and a specific thing. My company, for example, is Media Tech Ventures. We know the media industry really well, probably better than anybody in Austin. We don't know film production or video game development better than The Chive or EA, but as a broad industry, I can almost guarantee we know it better than anybody in town, right? And so I have that expertise and I can become a resource for people that want to be in my world and I keep help you keep up with my world. And likewise, you can figure out what niche is interesting to you and you're more likely able to keep up with that. Right? Now, if you were to ask me what it's like to be a doctor, I don't have a clue. I could pretend I can look it up on the internet and, and you know know some things or, or or make some decisions about my health, but there's no way I could keep up with what's going on in the healthcare community or what it means. It's just not possible. Um, if I tried right if I said, "Hey, I just want to be a tech professional, you're gonna fall behind. Do, do you have any idea how to build a rocket ship? No, <laughs> right so. So you pick the niche that, that is interesting to you, that you're passionate about, right?
1: And it's easier to keep up with the pace of change. How would you define success as an entrepreneur? What does it mean to be successful?
0: Honestly, it's, it's, a, it's an answer that most people might not expect. Uh, it's, it's being able to continue to do what you love for the rest of your life. What is the bare minimum you need for the rest of your life to make it, a living every year. If you can figure out how to achieve that, that enables you to be the entrepreneur that you want to be for the rest of your life. Uh, anything above and beyond that is gravy. It's 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 wealth, sure, right? It's it's a, a higher degree of success, but that's not really associated with being an entrepreneur, right? If you want to be rich, don't be an entrepreneur. Trust me, uh, but. <laughs> You know, but if you want to be happy in your lifestyle, in, in, your, in your life as an entrepreneur, what's the bare minimum you need? Figure that out and figure out what it takes to achieve that and have that. And you get to do what you want for the rest of your life. I get to do what I want for the rest of my life. It is, it is an unexpected blessing that I sort of fell into. That's, that's where you want to be. That's what success looks like.
1: What, what other factors do you consider important indicators of success?
0: That definition is, is subjective, right? Some, pe- some people do consider it wealth. I want a lot of money so I can travel and I can do whatever I want in, in, in life. Well, okay, good for you. I, I don't I don't need to be able to do whatever I want. I want to do what I do professionally, right? It's a di- so it's a different question of wealth. I, I think the other most important characteristic is, uh, or, or consideration is, uh, what does it mean for who's next? My children, other children, whatever. What kind of legacy do you want to leave, right? I, I want my children to be better than I am. That's it. Whatever that means, I don't care. I want them to be better than I am. Uh, and number three, and this is my uh, also a personal kind of subjective decision, um, are you able to? Are you capable of? Always, always, always be nice to people. Always be kind to people. And that may, may seem like an odd one, but it, it isn't in my mind because we absolutely live in, a, in an internet-based era where there's a lot of vitriol, there's a lot of hate, there's a lot of people... On both sides of the political aisle, fighting with one another, I I can't live in that camp. I can't live in that world. So to me, it's to me, it's you know having enough necessary to be able to do what I love, ensuring that the next generation, and certainly in particular my kids, are better than I am, better off than I am. Uh, and then third, always doing right by people, no matter what, no exceptions. Always, always, always doing right by people. If I have those three things. I'm, I'm fat and happy.
1: So this is the last question that I have, and it's one that I ask to everyone. I'd love to get your one piece of advice to a kid like me about their future or just advice in general that w- what you've learned through your career. Man, that is such a big question. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no,
0: it's a great question. Wow, the the absolute best advice. And it, and it may... You know, I, I, I almost want to hear other people's input because I, I'm sure at your age you 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 know you often hear get a good education and, and so forth. And you know what? You 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 continue to learn for the rest of your life. So sure, that's true. Is that really what the is that is that really the best advice I could offer? Um, no, I, I I would encourage that the best advice I could offer is to start. Don't wait, don't ask. There's there's nothing about tomorrow that's gonna make anything different. You'll learn a little bit more you'll know a little bit more it might be easier uh, but but why are you waiting? why not why why are you what are you waiting for? whether whether it's dating somebody or asking somebody out whether it's whether it's because you want to have a business of your own, whether or not it's you you want to be a podcaster or a blogger or a book author start. maybe the first thing that you create the first thing you try the first time you date somebody ever it probably doesn't work out very well. And that first book you write may not be the best book in the world. But you just had a, an immeasurable amount of experience. You had the opportunity to, to, to immerse yourself in what you're passionate about in a way that if you wait, is lost. It's gone. That's time wasted. That's an opportunity missed. So just get up and do it, including in your job. My point about being entrepreneurial, if you've got a job, just do it. Show up a little bit early. Fix the sign. Sweep the floor if you don't have to. If you're not supposed to, just do it. It's going to get you ahead
1: because you just took the initiative to start something that nobody else would. All right. Well, those are all the questions I have. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, everybody, find me on LinkedIn. I'm serious. Okay. Connect, connect, connect.
0: And if my last bit of advice wasn't clear, start. I'm I'm reiterating it. Start. Do it right now. You just watched the show. Love to meet y'all. Love to connect with y'all. Charlie, thanks a lot. This is cool. cool.
1: Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to stay updated for future episodes. My name is Charlie Hubbard, and this has been Professional Profiles.